Welcome to Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real, where we feature entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who participate in our guest blog on ShareYourStories.online. Our guest today is Helen Hirsch Spence, who's an educator, speaker, and founder of the Top 60 Over 60, an organization celebrating the contributions of individuals over 60 while challenging us to rethink our definition of ageism in the workplace. Helen joins us today from Ottawa, Ontario. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. This is a great opportunity. You know, I must admit, Helen, that when I was reading your story, um, being that we're both a women of a certain age, as they say, right? When you're over 60, we really do have some um, unbelievable social norms about ageism. So you share some statistics in your guest blog about ageism in North America. So why don't you share with us sort of some of the things that the population base is going to be experiencing in the near future? Well, first and foremost, I mean, we have an aging demographic. And I, for some reason, everybody seems to know it, but they don't necessarily act on it. But what they do act on is an age bias that they're mostly unconscious about because it's socially acceptable. You know, of all the discriminatory practices, ageism is the only one that hasn't really been addressed, especially not in DEI or, or you know, diversity, inclusion and equity initiatives. And that blows my mind, which is why we initiated, one of the reasons why we're working with businesses and companies to help them understand, um, you know, the power of the multi-generational workforce, also the value of older employees. Um, so it, according to a study that was recently done in North America, I think it was the University of Michigan last summer, 82% uh, of people between the ages of 50 and 80 experience ageism on a daily basis. Wow. That's frightening. And the World Health Organization just um, in March of this past year put put out a uh, global report on ageism in which they state that one out of two people in the world is ageist against older people. So that's frightening. And the reason why the World Health Organization put it out is because it has a huge impact on an individual's health and well-being, both mental and physical. But I don't think we think about that very often. Um, we don't consider it because we've grown up in a youth a youth obsessed culture which means that everything that's positive has to do with young people and young men and young women but in particular women become invisible and irrelevant um, when they get older because they're judged on their looks whereas men become praiseworthy with their wrinkles and right. with their, it's so it's terribly unfair. But what's worse is that it really does impact women more than men. And therefore, you know, this whole she session that we're experiencing now um, is really hitting uh, older women in particular much more seriously than it is affecting, you know, younger people as well. You know, I find that I can remember, you know, standing at a very young age, getting ready for school with my mother, who, you know, would have been at that time significantly older than myself and having this conversation about wrinkles. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, of course, you know, when you're in high school, you certainly don't have any wrinkles. And of course, no. my mother was in the workforce and uh, experiencing ageism, actually, um, in her position with uh, her job. And so it's not something that has has is new. No, it's not at all. for sure. No. Right. I mean, it's been around forever. 
Uh, do you think that the change in the retirement age has made a difference or given it a little bit more flexibility and perhaps changed our attitudes about ageism? No, I don't think so. Not at all, actually, because I think that the norms that we're living by in society today have been benchmarked in the 20th century, in the mid 20th century. In other words, when 65 as a retirement age was um, uh, was pronounced in the 1930s with the Social Security Act in the United States, you know, the average lifespan was 62. So that means that living those uh, to 65 was like a reward. Well, today we have the benefit of um, you know, another 30 years of longevity and also our health span is longer too. So we stay healthier. I mean, the generation of the 60, over 60 today is healthier, better educated, you know, more tech savvy than ever before. So it's irrelevant what your age is. It really should be extended you know, out much further. Maybe there shouldn't even be a retirement age except for pensions and whatnot. I understand the importance. But I think there's tons of institutional practices that are ageist, one of which is, you know, these kinds of policies. Uh, I know a lot of friends who are who are lawyers who have to give up their practices at age 65 or be, lose their partnership. I mean, it's very, very common today and yet makes no sense because according to other research, people in their 60s are at their peak performance and the next age group is like the, the 70s and the 50s. So it makes no sense that we have, you know, uh, these biases, but it does make sense because we've grown up right. in, in a world where, you know, the time you see women in reference to uh, aging has to do with anti-aging. Well, right. on, honestly, I think we need to proclaim aging. Aging should be aspirational. And, right. um, and in fact, you know, so many societies, so many civilizations regard their elders as important. And we have gone the exact opposite. And it hasn't always been that way. <laughs> you know, the thing that I find really interesting, especially in companies and organizations where you have a number of folks who are choosing uh, retirement, what they're losing in the workplace then is that translation of information. You know, they're losing the mentorship oh, and yeah. it's really becoming very difficult. You know, you think of the folks who are coming out of school, it may be their first job. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of experience. And so they're looking for those successful individuals ahead of them in the workplace to give them a little bit of guidance. But they don't really get that opportunity if we're sort of, you know, encouraging people to retire. Right. But then we're waiting too long to bring new people into organizations. So is that something that you're experiencing in various different cultures in the workplace? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's phenomenal how many people are letting their older workers go, not keeping in mind that they're losing all this institutional corporate knowledge. They're only thinking about profit very often or the fact that these people may cost more. But again, when you when you bring in and this is I mean, what you need is everything in the workforce, every age group. But the point is that it's only you know there are certain characteristics of those of us who are older and one of them is loyalty and commitment uh interestingly enough older people take less sick leave than younger people and we stick around whereas when you're when you're younger very often and with good intentions you know you want experience in one job you get trained and then you move on to something else which also makes sense but it's extremely costly costly to organizations and to businesses. And yet that doesn't seem to always be, um, you know, considered when some of the, the corporate knowledge walks out the door. I think that there's 
there's going to be a shift now because of the shortage of labor. And my hope is that uh, businesses will start rehiring perhaps older uh, employees again. And it doesn't have to be in the same way as it was before. There's right. infinitely more opportunity for flexibility for people, um, you know, for part-time work um, or full-time but condensed. I mean, there's there are there's a critical need for new norms and in a way it really has to be institutionalized uh, but we haven't even addressed it was the government has been so focused and rightly so on the vulnerable and the sick and now during the pandemic on you know uh residences and long-term care um that they haven't really in my opinion they haven't addressed some of the serious issues that we've got societally and one of them is ageism so, so, so do we find that there's folks who, uh, like yourself, have started a second act career? So you had a very successful career as an educator, mm -hmm. and you clearly were not, um, you know, interested in in the traditional form of retirement. So mm -hmm. you decided that you wanted to do something that would you where you could contribute to your community and to society in a totally different way. So tell me a little bit about why you decided top sixty over sixty. It's pretty simple. I mean, <laughs> I was experiencing ageism. I mean, I'd applied for grants, not for grants, for scholarships. I was studying. I was doing work online about social entrepreneurship. And when I saw who was successful, very often I thought, oh, this is because I don't fit that age group. Everybody was in their 20s or 30s, and I would have had a hell of a good time if they had taken me in. So that was one reason why. But I saw from all my friends and everybody I knew who had been uh, in leadership positions, you know, they were suddenly feeling in, invisible, irrelevant, um, unimportant, and they were losing self-confidence. And these are people who have so much still to contribute as is the case with most people. It just may not be in the same way. So that's what sparked my interest. And it was really students of mine in the past who encouraged me to, to look at social entrepreneurship, which frankly, I didn't know much about before I started uh, looking into it because it didn't really exist as right. I was going growing up. Right. But I fell in love with the concept. And th then at the same time, I was reading in the newspapers, you know, top 30, over 30, under 30, top four. And I thought, this is ridiculous. So right now, I am really in search of sponsors um, who want to under help promote uh, the understanding that older people have value with um, a campaign or a conference. It depends on who, who gets involved. For the top 60 over 60, I think it's the really right time because of COVID, which has um, really exacerbated ageism, mm -hmm. uh, but also because we need to recognize people at this point in their lives as having meaning and contribution and their potential is really, uh, you know, hasn't been fulfilled. And as a society, we need that. We really need all the help we can get for, for future generations. We need to work together and across the generations. I really loved your reference to um, changing the social norms and you know this whole idea about the flexible workplace because I think we're hearing more and more often now as a result of our current circumstances where you know 10 years ago you would have never been able to work from home. That would have been totally taboo, right? right. I mean, now we have this hybrid where perhaps you're gonna go to the office a few days a week, you're gonna work from home a few days a week. And you know, I, I've, I've also been noticing a lot of, of folks who have this new attitude about a laptop lifestyle. And they sort of say, you know, if I can work from anywhere through my computer, 
why do I have to stay at home? Like, That's why right. can't I travel and experience different cultures and expand my own horizons and still work, still make my contribution? So I think that's really a wonderful um, standpoint that you've taken. And, and we have to change not only norms about ageism and the contributions that people can make, but how we contribute in the workforce. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be paid work. I mean, work, as far as I'm concerned, uh, can be uh, voluntary or unpaid as well as paid. But I think the reality also is that many people today don't have pensions. They're living 30 years longer. They need m some financial, um, you know, upgrade. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> because pension and, you know, CPP is not going to cover it today. No. So no. even just a, a little bit, and I think more and more people are realizing um, that, there is tremendous opportunity out there, but our, we're not thinking necessarily in those terms. We're not thinking, oh, I'm 70, um, I, can, I can do whatever I want. They're still right. thinking, they need more role models, which is why I'd like the Top 60 campaign right. to move right. forward. And we've got lots of them. It's just that they're not recognized for their what they're doing and their age. So I, I wanna bring it to the fore. So it becomes mainstream that we're in our 60s and start, you know, enterprise, social enterprises like I did. Right. Well, you know, the really wonderful thing is that there is a number of entrepreneurs who are struggling to find ways to uh, find, increase their visibility and, you know, make connections within the community because that's getting even more difficult now with the whole idea of having to work from home and, you know, mm -hmm. isolation and all of that sort of thing. So, I mean, platforms such as this is really a wonderful opportunity for people to share their story and really increase their visibility and make connections within various different communities to talk about what it is that we do. Because I don't think that purchasing as good and services online is going to go away oh it's absolutely not the right. thing is goods and products are much easier to sell online than services right. which is what i'm trying to do is 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 work with businesses to help them understand you know some issues around diversity that have to do with age and right. they may think oh well we could do a little chapter on that or whatever but really in in truth, um, there's so much more that has to be done, just like there has to be done with, with other diversity issues, you know, with belonging. I mean, there's some very simple examples of people um, who are in the workforce who are now in their 40s or 50s and working with younger people. And when it comes around to a conversation among some of the other generations, these these younger people turn around and they talk to, right. you know, like aged and that's this form of ageism that we don't recognize. But by bringing that to people's yeah. attention, they don't do it to be hurtful. It's just that they need to be mindful. They need to be aware. And those are the kinds of things that we I practice when we deliver, um, you know, our workshops and our training. And so it's it's much more than just adding age onto the diversity label. It's about practicing right. Right. Um, and demonstrating that, you know, just speaking to somebody who's older in a louder voice because you assume that they're deaf. They can't hear. <laughs> you know? How true. How you true. Know? Or they're not tech savvy enough to know how to use the, uh, you know, this this platform, which sometimes they don't. But the right. truth of the matter is there are more tech savvy 70-year-olds um, uh, than you may think. And it's about learning because the, the pace of change is so quick that even uh, if you're yeah. 35, you need to understand how to adapt and move forward and that's one For thing sure. that uh we olders have learned to do over life is 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 deal with some of the the challenges with a bit more equanimity and those are the kinds right. of things we need to share with everyone else not just among ourselves
Well, I'm certainly hoping, Helen, that the um, the new conversation that you're starting will open doors to mentorship as well. So oh. that, um, you know, because it does cross many generations, it doesn't have to be folks in their 60s with folks in their 20s. Oh, no. It can be folks in their 60s with folks in their 60s. So, you know, I, I would really like to see us um, open up the conversation and include mentorship in some of your initiatives, because oh. I think there is so many wonderful skills that we can share. And I thank you uh, so much for bringing some of those things to the forefront. Now, one of the things that we ask everyone to do in the guest blog is to share three words of advice. And your three words are purpose, creativity, and gratitude. So tell us why you feel those are important. Well, you know, I believe that we always need purpose or meaning to live, you know, a life well. I don't think it, it suffices just to get up in the morning and go through, you know, different rituals. So, you know, as we get older, you know, having a sense of purpose is often related to legacy. And I think that's that's what keeps us productive, connected. And it's, it happens to be really, you know, when we're involved with other people, it keeps us it keeps us pro, uh, cognitive decline. Um, in check as well. I mean, there's so many studies that have been done that prove that even if you have the gene for dementia, if in fact, fact you're engaged and working, that you can minimize its impact. You don't necessarily get it. Um, the second word being creativity. I think creativity is a skill that's um, not misunderstood. People think you're born an artist. Well, creativity isn't just about being a an artist. It has to do with, you know, uh, everyday, uh, problem solving. And I think that's a skill that everybody can harness and practice and become better at. And it's so important for today's, you know, world problems. And then the third is, is gratitude, because I think that uh, when you're grateful, it provides with you with a sense of uh, perspective or acknowledgement that, in fact, you do have it perhaps better than others. And so you can focus more on the positive. And in today's world, I can't think of anything that's more important than um, being realistic, but positive, as opposed to seeing everything in, in shades of gray or black. So, well, that, that really ties very well in with our entire topic. And I'd like to thank you so much for raising our awareness and giving us something a little bit to think about um, as we share this edition of Keeping It Real. And I hope that you in the future will share with us some of the initiatives that you have and come back as a returning guest to share some of your success. Oh, it would be a privilege. I'd love to. There's so much to talk about. Thank you, Trish. Sure. Thank you. And to our viewing and listening audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us in this edition of Keeping It Real, where we've introduced you to the person behind the logo. And if you would like to join us with your feature story, please visit the website, shareyourstories.online. We look forward to meeting you. Thank you. <laughs>